and traders, welcome to the Limit Up Podcast, presented by Top Step, the company formerly known as Top Step Trader. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined today not by Dan, who is out in places unknown, but by John Doherty. John, how's the day treating you so far? Pretty good, Jack. Thanks for having me. I was just going to ask, what's uh, what's up with Dan? He's been out all week, but you don't know, huh? No, I just learned he was going to be out earlier this week, so I assume doing something secretive. Hopefully fun. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully fun. So good for him. Well, I'm glad you joined us today, John, because we're going to talk about the second part of Top Steps uh, Prep Trade Reflect Ideology, i.e. trade. This is a part that will certainly interest you if you are a trader, because by definition, to be a trader, you trade. So we'll get into that. But first, I thought we could go through a little bit. We don't have to go through all our markets, but maybe let's touch a little bit on equities, uh, specifically the Yes. Um, you were just saying we're getting a little sell-off into the finale here. Yeah, a little break, a little spike what? down the day. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was going to hand it over to you. So uh, what were you kind of seeing today, J.D.? We can just give a quick overview. Oh, there's quite a bit of Fed speak going on this week. I mean, I think uh, the big number out today was the PPI, which came in a little better than expected. Uh, got a little break after that, followed by a rally. Never really got back to uh, settlement from yesterday. Still hovering underneath yesterday's close. And then just a bit of a sell-off to end the day here, right in the middle of the range. Not a whole lot to speak of. Pretty quiet day, actually, if, uh, if you yeah, ask me. Yeah, we're in, we're in that shortened week. There's not a lot of the big numbers. You mentioned we had PPI. There was a few Fed members that spoke, and there still seems to be this holding the line. The Fed members are not liking to back off. It is a game of sort of economic chicken going on where despite the data getting better as far as inflation some other things the fed has to do their best to they call it jawboning basically if they were to give up and be like yeah things are looking pretty good asset prices would go to the moon so regardless of what they believe they gotta kind of uh keep the drumbeat going for now and uh, what do you think for the next meeting? We're going to get a quarter percent or a half percent? I think the consensus was a half a percent, isn't it? I don't think they're going to stray from that. Even if they wanted to, I think that they're going to not rock the boat and just kind of narrow in on whatever the consensus is. Yeah. I mean, the numbers out this morning kind of give the sort of give the impression that these rate hikes are slowly starting to uh, do their job, you might want to say. Yeah. Mortgage rates are down. The carry trade is back in Japan. 10 years, 3.3 or something like that. Things are starting to look normal. The mm -hmm. difference being that way on the short end of the curve, we still got the 4% plus rates, which is historically quite high. So we'll see how that shorts out. But hopefully, fingers crossed, everyone, on the soft landing. So that's what's going on today. Technically, we had one beautiful day on the ES where we held above the 200 day moving average and um, the 50 and 200 are so close to crossing right now that we are back below both of them. So once again, pay attention to those levels. They're going to be sticky, good place to use your asymmetric risk to either fade it or go for the breakout. Keep your eye on it. And with that, Oh, JD, did you have anything else to say there? Oh, I was just going to say these are great areas for, uh, you know, low risk, high reward trade entries also. And we love those. As we get in the trade, if you can be right half the time, 
you got to be taking those rewards for quite a bit further than the risk. And that gets into what we're talking about today. Last week, we talked about trade prep as part of the prep trade reflect. We talked about morning routines, evaluating yourself and your mental clarity, and also the research, the homework you do, everything you do before you actually place a trade for the day. Now, where would you start the trade phase, JD? Do you see the trade beginning as soon as you are done with your research and like open to the idea of taking them or once you have a trade on? Uh, once you have a trade on, I mean, obviously like this is the easy part, right? You know, you did all that work to get ready for the day. Like, well, you would think that this is the easy part, right? But this is the time where, you know, your mental toughness really starts coming into play. So I would say my trading day starts when I sit down and I've done all my prep work. I see I have my temporary bias set up from the prep work that I did. I have an idea of what I want to do for my first trade of the day. I start looking for those opportunities to support my bias, which is kind of the opposite of what you want to do. That first trade is very, I find the first trade very important. So when you're looking for reasons to support your bias to begin with, if it works out great, if it doesn't work out, then you set the tone, you know, you have some, uh, some adjustments to make if you lose after that first trade. But I would say your trading day really starts when you establish that temporary initial bias, you look for those opportunities and you wait for the market to come to you to put on that first trade. Yeah, we talked a lot last week about looking out to the big picture, especially when you're doing your research, going to the day bars, the week bars, figuring out all the big levels that are around there. And when you know those, then you can start getting more granular. And when you're putting on your trades, that's when... I would give the go-ahead to start narrowing the time frames on the bars and whatever works for you. I don't, for some people that might be 15 minutes, a half an hour, might be five minutes. Then you can start really looking on where you're going to enter this. And once you have your good setup, and remember as part of this trade thing, we only, you only have to make a couple trades a day, vastly more people over trade than under trade. You are in the distinct minority if your issue is that you are not pulling the trigger on trades as you get in there as you finally do it a whole host of other psychological phenomenon start occurring right and the biggest issue that we see here is people get into a trade they have it framed out and maybe we start with the things you absolutely need to do right you need to have an idea of what you're risking and how much you're going to take that for. Uh, JD, before I get into some of this, how do you typically look at that? When you go into a trade, you always start with a stop, right? Sure. I think it's important to have an idea of knowing where you're going to get out before you get in. You know, Unfortunately, you know we're not robots. We have to deal with emotions, like you said, things like fear, anger, greed, confidence, overconfidence. These are the things that kind of tear us apart when we're looking for trade entries and exits. You know, Putting on bracket orders, I would say, is initially probably the best thing for a lot of traders where you could just kind of set it and forget it not play with it not playing with your stops not moving profit targets not getting too greedy just kind of slowly easing into it building up your account these are all important things but when those emotions really start taking over uh it can change your game and you've really got to learn to get a grip on that so i would probably say i don't know but <laughs> No, sorry. I was about to prompt you with it. So what I was going to say, I think everything that you put out there is correct, is the idea of 
you know, how you set your stops, because I think you're absolutely right with the bracket orders being a good way to start. But I think what we see is people taking a lot of people who are beginning this taking a good best practice where they will set their bracket order for something that gives them a 1.5, two to one or more risk reward, but kind of do that as a one size fits all thing. And what I was asked about where you set your stops is that I think when you're entering a trade, part of your strategy shouldn't just be like, I am just always risking three ticks to make six ticks. I would suggest that maybe there's a little bit, shall we say, less arbitrary criteria for where you set your stop and profit target and something like that. So like when you put on a trade, JD, when you're setting that initial stop, sort of what are you looking for? And kind of the same thing with the profit target. Sure. Uh, it all depends on what type of trade I'm putting on to. You're looking at multiple setups. Well, a trader should have multiple setup uh, in their sort of, I guess, playbook, you could call it. So, I mean, I'll take for an example, say a, a failed top or a failed bottom trade. If we're trading in a sideways market, you recognize that sort of, you know, midway through the day, we're not, we're in a range, we're not breaking out. This might be a good opportunity to uh, put on a lowerish trade, fading a new high or fading a new low. Tight stop, probably take a five to one risk reward out of it, you know, risking one or two to make, you know, seven or eight around that area. So that's just one example. Another one of my favorite setups on a 30 minute chart would be uh bull and bear flags on slowly trending days. You know, uh, you could always find tight. It's easy to tighten up your risk playing yeah. the uh, sort of the far end of those, of those channels, but I'm always looking for a minimum of at least two to one of my risk reward. Anything I can do to maximize that I will look into, but like I said, different trades call for different risk parameters, uh, never risking, in a day, more than 5% of your account value. I find that's uh, best practice also. That's a huge part when you're putting on a trade too, is in addition to overtrading, the practice that we probably see, the destructive practice we see most people do is wagering way too much as a percentage of their total risk on a single trade. I mean, generally, in the professionals aren't risking more than 1% or 2% on a given trade. And so if you're in something like the trading combine, granted, just by the nature of the, the size of futures and stuff, you'll have to kind of push that a little bit. But I think we see too many people who have... It's very clear what your risk limits are there. 3,000, 6,000, 9,000. But we see far too many people risking... 10, 20, 30, 50% of their account as the risk parameters on a given trade. And that's not giving you enough time for even if you have a strategy that works, you can get eaten up just by the the churn of the probabilities there. You know, you can take a, you should be sizing up as your account gets bigger and more importantly, proportionally, just use a percent, some percent you're comfortable with that's lower. I think that 5% realm and use that as what you're risking on your stop for any of these trades. Now, we got a ton of questions. We had Jared Tendler with us yesterday, and so many of the questions we had coming into him were people who were getting bored, anxious, nervous, 
And the sum total of all of these were that they were cutting winners before they reached their target or the, the, the kiss of death, you know, backing off your stops. I mean, your stop should give you confidence that I'm not going to lose more than this in a trade. If you're going to move that back, that is not something that we would recommend doing. That's where you can really hurt yourself. But as we go into trade management too, and this can go into cutting winners early, you can move your stop forward, whether that's to break even. There's a hundred ways to set what we would call a trailing stop. I would encourage you if you're doing this to not do it arbitrarily, to have it be part of your strategy. Monitor, we'll get at the end, we'll talk about what you should be recording of trades and certainly be cognizant and keep track of what happened as you move that stop. But you should be basing it on something like a time frame, or we talk about uh, volatility stops that use some measure of volatility as to where you'll trail that to. Um, and then some people are just, and this is perfectly fine, all or nothing in that, well, I set my stop, I set my profit target. For this strategy, I'm going to keep it clean. It's going to hit one or the other, and I'll keep track of that. Is that something you do, uh, JD? Do you mess around with trailing stops? or? I've never found, I've never had too much luck with trailing stops. It usually gets me out where, at a point where I would like to still be in a trade, you know. At worst, I'll move my, I would say, not at worst, at most, I'll move my stop up to uh, a couple ticks above break even. I'm not a huge fan of scratching trades, you know. I do believe in uh, covering costs when you put a trade on. So I always like to take at least a tick or two out of a trade, which I guess is still yeah. sort of like scratching. But like you were saying, uh, moving stops around, there's there's a lot of reasons why people do it. And I think if you're going to do it, it should be based on some technical reason, not an emotion, you know, greed, for instance, you know, will make you move a profit target and move a stop. Uh, if it's going against you and you see uh, a point of invalidation changing, possibly instead of getting out of the trade, you'll just move your stop a little lower, take a little more risk. This isn't the way to do it. Well, in my experience, at least I found this is uh, an easy way to just lose more money. But like I said, things like fear and greed, they'll, they'll they'll tear at you and like force not force you but they'll make yeah. you do things that you really don't want to do things you know you shouldn't do but you do them anyway forcing trades chasing the market especially for people who are just getting started in this just setting the same trade criteria without moving stops will make it much easier to track your success right like if i had something where i was doing the same risk reward and doing the same trade over and over again, I'd have a real good idea of what my win rate was on that trade and how much I made or lost. Assuming that you had a system that you were moving the trailing stop the same each time, I suppose you could arrive the same thing. But if you want to evaluate that, it better be pretty clear. Like I'm making this up. I would not recommend doing it, but say this is really simple. But I'm going for a three to one risk reward and I move the stop to break even when it crosses 1.5 reward or something like that. If you do that every time, then you will have a similar understanding of what the win rate is for this and how much you're making on average. And from that, if you find that you're getting stopped out too much on trades that would work or stuff, you can arrange, you could move uh, or alter your strategy to take that into account, to give yourself more room or not. 
So that's something else to definitely pay attention to. What I'm a bigger fan of from my days of trading is scaling in and out of positions. And to be clear, scaling does not mean cannonballing losers. Scaling is not, <laughs> I plan to make a one ES trade and now I have three on because it went against me. The idea is uh, how we would trade. We would often, uh, I would tend to divide my size into thirds. And with a level, I would get a third of it more aggressive, whatever that means, a third of it right on the level and a third of it a little less aggressive. And that way they would average out to be uh, the whole position size I wanted at that original level. The same could be done going up. Like if you want to take one, if you have a third of your size off at two to one reward, three to one reward, four to one reward, you can play with things like that. Just be consistent with it so you can track the results, which I think is the most important part. Would you weight each level as far as contract size goes? Like at level one, you trade five. At level two, you trade three. So we never of. traded outrights. By nature of what we did, we were trading uh, larger hedge positions where you would have to get, it was a little trickier. It was like trying to steer a boat, right? Mm-hmm. Because you'd have to buy something in one market at the same time you sold it. So to get the whole thing on, r- realistically, if you had to do, say, 15 units of what we were trading, I would usually, like, sometimes I might change it where I might do more like a fourth aggressive. It depends on how I felt. Like, you can't, sometimes you got to have a feel. We always have to have a feel for what, like, the market conditions are, how volatile things are, how easy it is to get things on, things like that. Scaling gives you the ability, I think, in faster markets to have a wider range where you put things on. Mm-hmm. But it's something to try out, especially with the micros and things like that. Yeah. To see if it works for you. I think it's important what you said about scaling is not cannonballing, also. This isn't when you're scaling into a buy position, you know, you have that zone. You called it the level. It's more or less a zone, you know? Yeah where you see there is a point of invalidation for that trade and you know not to go below that. This isn't the old days, you know, where like, how did that, how did it go? If I liked them at five, I love mm-hmm. them at four. And if it hits three, I'm buying, yeah. I'll buy everything you got, you know, that's uh that's cannonballing. That's not scaling. So scaling in is yeah. it's, it's, it's just as much of an art form, I think, as the trailing stop is. But you have to know where those levels of validation are and not get married to a position for sure. And it only works for certain types of trading too. Yes. I mean, yeah, like it, it's kind of like if you're doing the reversal at the at a 200-day moving average, you know, you're very rarely going to top tick or bottom tick things. But you give yourself like a little bit of a room because these things don't always just turn around on a dime. Mm-hmm. The reason we had to do it too, JD, is we'd have to pay attention to the actual futures levels independent of the trades we put on, like butterflies and stuff. They had numbers, but the numbers didn't mean anything besides to us. They were levels only in the sense that they were a measure of where this position we constructed was, if that makes sense. So while we were doing it, you had to pay attention to the actual futures levels for important things that are out there, which brings me back to when we talked about uh, different stops and stuff, you shouldn't do things out of boredom if it's just taken a while to work out, but do be aware of what else is going on in regards to time. I mean, if you're holding on a position that's, 
not going anywhere and the CPI numbers coming out or something, then I think it's completely fair game to get flat. But be aware of that before you put on the trade. And where we see this every day is if you're a day trader in something like the combine, don't force trades late in the day when you know you've got to get flat. You don't want to trade on a time limit. And those are just, you're entering into the gambling realm mm-hmm. at that point. If you're not, if you don't have the ability to hold things overnight, you're at a distinct disadvantage for trades like that. So I would just stick around with that. Make sure it's part of your strategy. Know what times of day is the trade. Yeah. Those time frames are important, you know. Uh, you have to keep yourself grounded and be realistic about your expectations there. If you're trading off a five or a 15 minute chart, you know, the odds of you hitting a hundred point dinger are pretty slim, you know? So yeah. keep an eye on that clock. If you've been in that, if you're looking at a 15 minute chart and you've been on a trade for more than a half hour and it's not going anywhere, you might want to look a little harder at what's actually going on. That's a good point. And then finally, I think uh, the last part about, your trade that kind of goes into what we're gonna talk about next week with reflection, but we'll give a little preview of it. Now you need to know what to track on your trades. And we talk a lot about journaling and there's a lot of good software out there, or you can design your own spreadsheet or anything else, but I'll let you go first JD and kind of, so you close out a trade. What are a few things that you are looking at as far as how it panned out and what you would want to take note of? Uh, most importantly, did I stick to my trading plan? Did I put my stop in and my uh, my profit target? Did I stay true to those? Did I move anything around? Basically, like I said, did I stick to my trading plan? Did I adapt to the market environment? You know, did I see something happening in the market and change my position? If I did, did it was it worth it? Did it work out? Did it not? Should I should I have stuck with my trading plan? Uh, what was your emotional? Uh, response to putting on this trade? Were you very nervous when you put the trade on? Were you excited? Were you super confident? Were you sort of standoffish? Were you chasing the market when you put it on? These are all things I like to track. Basically, your mental state when you put that trade on, the result of the trade, how you handled yourself while the trade was on. I think those are all important things to uh, take a look at. And it'll help you later on when you're going through your journal at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, you know, seeing how you progress through the learning process of learning what your emotions are and how you're actually dealing with them in a live market environment. I think too, that if you did bail on the trade for whatever reason, be it things weren't feeling right, you moved your stop, anything else is to take note of what the result would have been had you not done that. Just Mm -hmm. that's a good assessment. So then you at least have an assessment of what the validity is of the trading system you were using. And be careful if you are, once again, I feel like I'm always coming for the scalpers or something like that, but be careful with your assessment of how a trade might have worked out. Make sure it trades like a full level or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're going to keep track of that. Yeah. And like I said, we are not robots. You're going to get that urge to, uh, to tinker with your trade when it's on, it's going to happen. You're, you're going to do it. Uh, but make a note of when you do be honest about why you did it and what the result was. You might learn something from it. So much tinkering. I can just (laughs) think of tons of times where I knew that I should get out of something. I like thought the whole time 
and then just didn't do it. Getting on that, you know, that hopium or whatever they call it. <laughs> Copium, whatever it is. So keep track of those thoughts. Maybe your instincts are right more than you think, but then it's important to put them into the strategy, not just, you can't trade completely on feels out there. That's a recipe for bad things to happen. <laughs> well, I think that about sums up our trade, part of the prep trade reflect today. We'll be back next week to talk more about reflection on trading. Reflection in life. It's an important thing. Figure out uh, what you're doing, mental clarity, things like that. JD, you feeling any mental clarity lately? Uh, a little bit here and there. Yeah, just just here and there. <laughs> chasing that nirvana. Well, JD, thank you for stepping in today. I right. will track down Dan in like the wilderness on his uh, snowmobile or whatever he's doing right now. Is there any snow anywhere? I don't know. That's a good point. It's just, uh, man, it's like a creepy Halloween type vibe in here. It's just been raining yeah. all the last two days. It's almost 50 degrees in Chicago right now. I know. We're through. This is supposed to be the coldest week of the year, like this next week. So if we can get through this, I'm looking forward to it. So, all right. Well, I'll see you in person soon, JD. Thanks and, again for having uh, me. I always, uh, always enjoy being here. Thank you. Thank you for stepping in. And uh, thank you for listening to uh, Limit Up. We do this on Thursdays live morning. We got the morning forecast with Hogue. Check that out on the YouTube channel. If you're interested in trading psychology, really check out the Jared Tendler interview. We posted it on our YouTube channel today. He answered questions like a madman for about an hour. I was impressed by the velocity there. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, get your mind right. Focus on... Focus on your strategy when you're in the trade phase, right? And just do things that help kind of settle your mind and just trust the process, as they would say. So keep doing that. We'll see you next week. Namaste and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is a presentation of Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com to learn more about our futures trading combine and how you can become a funded trader. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.